3: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com host.
4: on dab plus online by the talk sport app and on your smart speaker
0: the women's football show with baker brothers it's a really really good finish i love goals like that on talk sport too
5: Hello, you lovely lot. This is TalkSport's Women's Football Show podcast. I'm Faker Rothers, bringing you loads of exclusive content and we'll be here every week with the very best of the show. Don't forget, though, if you don't just want the highlights, you can listen back to the full Women's Football Show via the TalkSport app. This week we were on on Monday at 7pm, so just swipe for TalkSport 2, find Monday, and you can listen in full then. Now, there may not have been any Barclays Women's Super League action this week, but the Lionesses treated us all to a thrilling match at Wembley Stadium. They kept Team GB's Olympic hopes alive against the odds, coming back in spectacular fashion to beat the Netherlands 3-2 in their Nations League game. Former Tottenham captain Jenna Scalacci joined me to reflect on the Lionesses' resilient performance. I mean, it was quite incredible, wasn't it? The, the game on Friday night. I think everybody thought it was done and dusted at, at half time. But no, the Lionesses have set up a Nations League showdown match against Scotland at Hampden Park on Tuesday after that comeback win over the Netherlands. Qualification, you'll remember, as Team GB representatives for the 2024 Paris Olympics is on the line. Before we get into everything, we had live commentary on Talksport 2 with Joe Shannon and Leanne Sanderson. And here's how it sounded.
1: The Lionesses face a must-win clash at Wembley. What a way to start the weekend. Lovers hit the ball early down the middle for Netherlands, and here's an opportunity for Berenstein. Shrugs aside, Carter shoots and scores!
0: I haven't really seen this from England before, where I feel like they don't really have a game plan or any type of structure. 1-1
1: against Greenwood, Berenstein shoots, it's 2-0! It's through the gloves of Mary Earps! A nightmare for the England captain! and England are heading out of the Nations
4: League as it stands. England have a lot of work to do, 2-0 down. Do they have the ability and do they have the confidence to get themselves back into this and keep their Nations League hopes alive? Six chance on the edge of the box, crosses in deep,
1: header in, there's one back for England! Is this the start of a great Wembley night once again for the Lionesses? Comes out to the edge of the box, head places it, 2-2! England have scored two in two minutes! Lauren James, deep ball to the far post, turn! She's done it! The Lionesses.
5: It is still out of their hands because the Netherlands have a superior goal difference but a win over Scotland and a draw between the Netherlands and Belgium would see England qualify for the Nations League semi-finals against the odds. Before we look ahead to that match Charlotte Richardson spoke to England manager Serena Wiegmann at full time on Friday.
6: We started really well in the game. Uh, The first 11 minutes the Netherlands could not come from their side of the pitch and the first time they came they scored a 1-0 so that was very disappointing of course and that was a good goal from them. And then I still I think we played pretty pretty good, uh, and they scored a second goal, and uh, that was very unfortunate. And at halftime, we said, well, you know, when we score one, they're going to be shaky too because we, they were already, you know, uh, working really hard to keep us away from their goal. So um, we truly believed that we could... Come back in the game, and that's exactly what we did. And the resilience we showed as a team, and the extra push we could give as a team, uh, I think we did really well. So overall, I'm I'm very proud of the team, the way we played, and uh, the way we recovered from uh, from the two-nil, from the z- nil-two. Um, and it, yeah, it shows again what kind of team we are.
0: It's not like England to concede such goals. Arguably, they were both preventable, but it made your half-time team talk all the more important. What were your key messages at the break?
6: Um, that, just that we didn't play bad but we needed more we needed more into, and tactically we did a couple of things not good enough uh, especially out of possession and that was very clear in, in, our, in the plan one play, so we were pushing on that that we had to do that better but we needed something extra because the things we were doing and the intentions were good especially in possession so we said that we need more from you. We all have to step up now. And that's exactly what we did.
0: The hunger, the desire, the quality behind yeah. each of the goals showcase the strength of your yeah. squad. And I know you've mentioned in the past how you've had to manage that competition in a really productive way. Ultimately, this evening, that served as the difference against a very, very good Netherlands side, that yeah, exactly. strength of your squad. Yeah,
6: exactly too. And it also shows the Netherlands' strength. I think this was a top-level game. I think for every fan in the stadium, it was an incredible game. Uh, from both sides who want to play football, want to go forward, who want to play to win, uh, with very good players um, in possession. So I think overall it was an incredible game and I'm happy that we won, but I really, really hope we scored another one so it was 4-2
0: because then the things would have been turned around. But. The Olympic dream is still alive it's and still you've got alive. the momentum from that second yeah. half performance to take into the match against yeah. Scotland. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Is that the message to the team, to keep, the, keep it going?
6: Absolutely. Now, um, you know, summer training, a recovery, some will see some family and friends, and then straight back from tomorrow, uh, we go prepare for a Tuesday match.
0: Finally, Serena, there are many things you can coach and drill into a team, but that never-say-die attitude is something that you build as a core, isn't it? Displaying that in front of 71,000 supporters here is a nice way to sign off 2023 here in England.
6: Yeah. Yeah, oh, I didn't think of that. yet. Yeah, that was a nice one. It? Yeah, now I think this—it's in this team too—the the belief and the, and the trust in each other, and um, yeah, that that shows where this team wants to go to. And yes, we—it's we—we can't fully control uh, if we uh, top the group Tuesday, but we're definitely um, going to show up uh, one more time this year.
5: Right? How do you even begin to sum up this game, uh, Jenna? Because it was it. Frustrating from an England point of view. After they'd started so well, um, they just let Netherlands into it, and you do not let Lineth Birenstein onto the ball as much as as much as they did. A couple of poor errors as well. What what did you make of of that first half?
7: Yeah, I mean, Berenstein truly punished them, didn't they, early early on in that first half? And I, it was like a game of two halves from the Lionesses. I think the first half, it was slow, it was lethargic, we couldn't put our chances away. And then it was just our own errors, really, that put us under so much pressure. And I don't know what was said at half time, but it I mean, what a game it was. That second half was incredible, but you just wish that they could have played like that for the full 90 because it was two contrasts in half. And you just think what, how frustrating that they couldn't do that for 90 minutes because I don't think the result and the two goal difference, I think they could have gone on and scored a lot more. But unfortunately they started so, so slow, but what a comeback and a way to do it.
5: Yeah, that, that we always want to take the positives, but were there questions for you on the starting 11 and, and not playing with a recognised striker? yeah i mean
7: we've not really seen that in our, in the Lionesses team yet and i think i understand why maybe you've she's gone for the three up top and instead of the the number 9 there because you've got players like kelly hemp and james who last week when i was talking about this match like they're players that are absolutely firing found their form but we just couldn't put the chances away and i think when the substitutions were made you know from half, half half time onwards, it was a real, real difference. I thought Russo again was fantastic when she came on and obviously Ella Toon just loved scoring huge goals at Wembley. But I think maybe we'll see a different uh, formation come, come the Scotland game. But yeah, I was slightly surprised, but I think Serena got in at halftime, recognised it and made the changes early and allowed the comeback.
5: Yes, Serena Riegman mentioned uh, what she said at uh, at half-time. Let's find out uh, from one of the players, shall we? Because Georgia Stanway spoke to Charlotte Richardson.
8: We just said that it's possible. Um, We knew deep down that it was possible. Um, It was just about doing it. Um, First half, we were actually really good on the ball. We played a good game. We created. um, We challenged their goalkeeper. We got high press on. We were aggressive. But... We just let two goals in, um, which isn't us, Um, but yeah, in the second half we turned it around, we got the result that was needed, we would have really liked one more goal to make sure that it was in our hands, but the situation is what it is, um, and we'll go on Tuesday and we'll fight for
0: for what we can. It felt like in the second half as well the team committed lots of bodies forwards and, and took that confidence from your goal in particular, it was a really, really good header, you had to move your body quite quickly to react to it. Yeah, that's probably the first header that I've ever scored.
8: Um, So, yeah, it's not a bad time to score it. But to be honest, it didn't matter who put the ball over the line. It just needed to get over. Um, And, yeah, we managed to do it three times. So... Yeah, we've got the three points um, and yeah, we'll see what happens on Tuesday. We want to make sure that we do our bit um,
0: and just hope that someone else messes up. With every goal that went in, though, it was quite interesting. There weren't any celebrations. You were fully focused on getting the ball back and, and keeping that going. There's a real focus and togetherness within this group, isn't there? Yeah, it's just momentum. Um, when you score, there's no point wasting time on a celebration because
8: we need as many minutes as we can. And you can see that even 95 we're putting the ball just aside side of the post and Yeah, it's those fine margins, Um, yeah, we made it a little bit difficult for ourselves, obviously, with the going 2-0 down, Um, but yeah, we've got good character, we brought it back 3-2, you can see the crowd was with us from from the start, um, through yeah through everything so
0: yeah another experience at Wembley another win um and yeah on Tuesday. it shows as well doesn't it with the number of substitutions that were made the little rotations the collaborations all over the pitch how much of a, st- a strong squad effort this is
8: yeah absolutely there's so much
0: competition within our
8: group um and that's what's keeping us going and that's what keeps us high because every day we're challenged in training um there's not a, a given whether you're going to play or not and I think that's What's so important in our team is everybody's here to fight, everybody wants to put up their best game, and you can play anybody and you know exactly what you're going to get.
0: And do you think that hunger is sometimes the difference between a 3-2 scoreline against a team as good as the Netherlands?
8: Yeah, we'll fight. We'll fight for each other. and We'll fight to get the three points, and we know when something's not up to our standard that we want to change it, so yeah, that's what we did tonight
5: points to pick up on I would say Mary Earps devastated for her error for the second Netherlands goal saying she'd let the team down as well she was not, not really seeing Mary Earps like that no and I think you
7: know she's a player that has been so huge for this England team and I think as a footballer when I think back to my playing days and I was a centre-back so any mistake that I would make could cost the team hugely. And obviously she's she's captain. She sets such high standards for herself. And as a player, it's easy for you to, just to think about the mistakes you made rather than the hundred things that you've done really well in a game. You always think about that negative. And I think she was absolutely devastated. But I mean, how many times has she saved, saved this team like over the last couple of seasons now? But I think that just shows you her, her character. She's human. She comes across as quite this hard-faced, play you know um but yeah she she's human and she she really felt responsible for that but I think the result the first half yes but I think the team came back so so well and if they don't make it through um it's not just that mistake that's cost them. It's their performances, you know, prior to this game as well. So, but just shows, you know, how much she cares and the standards she set, she's unhappy. And it was, you would expect her to be saving, making them saves, but keepers, you know, when they make a mistake, it can feel like a really lonely place for them.
5: Really interesting scenes at full time, I felt. You know, 70,000 fans in the stadium, obviously thrilled thinking they've seen a brilliant comeback from the Lionesses, which they had. And it kept their uh olympic dream alive but the players just looked dejected and deflated on the pitch because they obviously knew that they needed two goals for the group to then be in their hands when yeah. they play uh scotland and you could tell what it meant to them they knew that they could have put in a better first half performance and probably you know with the netherlands on the rope scored more goals in that second half
7: yeah, definitely. I think they had 21 chances across the 90 minutes. So to to only get three, it's, pro- it's not a, a great ratio, especially when we've got the attacking players that we do have and just weren't clinical enough. And I guess we just left it too late. Like I said earlier, if we'd have played like that for the 90 minutes, I think we would have scored more than the two goal margin that we needed. Um, but yeah, that's football. Um, it's now out of our hands, but the fans, like I, I'm... Um, went and coached at the weekend and some of the girls, young kids that I, I was coaching were absolutely buzzing about the result. They had no idea, you know, they, they were just there. They saw that comeback, they're there watching their heroes and they, they thought it was a fantastic game and comeback. So they're not fully aware of the consequences and probably didn't really understand why <laughs> the players were devastated at the
5: end. And, and how weird is that? Because, you know, obviously... Uh... Attendances are brilliant in women's football, but it does feel as if there are a lot of casual fans not really having a vested interest in knowing the context of the importance of of, of the match.
7: Yeah, no, and I agree. And that was obviously a prime example. Um, but I think, you know, it's just a step at the time. I think the Lionesses at Wembley, are, are, you know, it, people want to go and see them. Young girls want to be there. They're, they're role models, they're heroes now. So I, I get why it could be, you know, you want your fans to understand the the long-term effects of a result like that, but they're there and they've had an amazing time. And I guess as we're building these attendances up, I think that's what matters the most that these kids are, are loving going there and having these amazing experiences at Wembley. So they do keep returning.
5: So for the Lionesses, everything now rests on the outcome of the final two Nations League group games. They face Scotland at Hampden Park on Tuesday night, which will bring you commentary of. It's a must-win match and it's live on TalkSport. Well, Belgium and the Netherlands is going to be just as important for the Lionesses as Jenna and I discussed. So it's a big, big game, isn't it? And if any Scotland players have hopes of featuring at the Paris Olympics next summer, very weirdly, it's likely that they'll need to be beaten. And Potentially beaten heavily by England on Tuesday night. We'll get into that in a second because it's just quite bonkers, isn't it? Um, But as the nominated home nation, England have to reach the Women's Nations League final or finish third if France make the final for Team GB to qualify for the 2024 Olympics. Are you with me? Do you get it? Uh, to progress in the tournament, though, England have to overtake the Netherlands to win Group A1 and those two are locked on nine points with the Dutch finishing at home to Belgium. England trail by three in the goal difference column. Scotland already consigned to last place and relegation in the group. Um, It's a massive game for so many different reasons. And Joe Shannon is up in Scotland ahead of the game and he's been speaking to the England manager Serena Wiegmann.
4: Serena, amazing victory, first of all, on Friday night. Lots of character and resilience and quality from the players in the second half. What can you take from Friday into the game against Scotland?
6: Yeah, uh, what we mainly took out of the game is that the first 10 minutes we played really well and really had so much pressure on them because everyone said it was a... It was a dramatic first half. I don't think so. I think uh, we, we were just um, yeah, hit a little bit by that goal because that was the first time they uh, they came out. And of course, we want to prevent that. So the second half, what we took from the second half is that we really had to push and we really had to you know force goals. But we stayed calm and we did the right things in execution. So if we see how we scored the goals, we did it together. And so the goal from Lauren Hemp, for example, Georgia Stemmer was higher up, she didn't shoot herself, but she dropped the ball and Lauren Ham could pick a corner. That was really good from the team, so we stuck together, we put more, even more intensity on the game and and we did the right things. So that's what we took from the game and hopefully we can show that again tomorrow.
4: Um, Mary Earps was obviously pretty gutted about the mistake that she made, she, she rarely makes a mistake. Um, is she feeling back to her best now? What what sort of conversations have you maybe had with Mary in the last couple of days?
6: Yeah, no, I think she's she's back. Uh, I think she was very very disappointed, but this this mistake doesn't show who Mary Earps is. She has showed over the last well since I know that uh, her consistency, her performances, that's who she is, and she has totally delivered. Uh, All the time. And making mistakes is part of the game. And Kira already said it in the press conference. Before that happened, a lot of other things already happened before they came into that situation. So it's basically a team thing. So she's back. She's uh, chatty. um, And we'll get on the pitch and she's ready tomorrow.
4: Um, Tactically, for the game, um, um, you you know that you may well have to put up a big win. Um, How do you go about that from a tactical point of view? Do, Do you change much?
6: Well, we have, as always in games, we we work with scenarios and we first start with what we're good at. We're trying to play the possession game in our way and being really intense with that, having, you know, being unpredictable, being dynamic. And that's what we want to do. And yes, first of all, we have to win the game. And second... Depending on the result of Netherlands-Belgium, we have to win with more goals. But let's first not concede a goal, go for, for scoring goals and, and win, and then hopefully get more goals if necessary. And then we, during the game we can go to next scenarios, but we'll start um, how we will. And what we need to really do is stick together as a team, execute our plan and stay calm.
5: I mean, look, it doesn't make any sense. We said right at the beginning of the Nations League that it didn't make any sense. But how do you think England and Scotland are going to approach this one, Jenna? Uh,
7: Yeah, I mean, it's such a weird situation, isn't it? And I think there's been a lot of talk about the Scottish players. Are they just going to throw it away? And I think I don't think that's going to happen. You know, these are professional athletes and it is weird that if they get a result against England, then nobody goes to the Olympics. Um, but yeah, I think both teams will approach it. I think for England, I think the one thing you can do when you're in tournaments like this is keep it in your own hands, but it's totally out of their control now. So they've just got to focus on trying to get the goals that they need and and, and fingers crossed that they get the result elsewhere in the Netherlands-Belgian game. But such a weird, weird scenario. But, you know, all, you, all they can do is focus now and, and, and try and make sure they get the job done that's all they ca- really can do at this stage.
5: Well, England were given a hand in this because um, Scotland drew one all with Belgium, which was uh, brilliant. a brilliant comeback goal from, from Aaron Cuthbert, which was huge. Here are the thoughts of Scotland boss Pedro Martinez-Losa.
1: You learn sometimes uh, the tough way, but also having injuries probably for me was the, the worst part. We just pay a, a big price in terms of losing some players individually for them, but also for us. For, for me, that's, that's the negative. The positive is also managed uh, to react and to readapt to this one in, in the football, but also mentally. So I think this group is, this in this camp environment, has been fantastic, very positive. Uh, always connecting with the task, always connecting with what we propose to them, uh, always especially for them, connecting with representing Scotland and performing.
5: Jenna, what threats do uh, Scotland pose? Obviously Aaron Cuthbert with the equaliser on, on, on Friday, but um, you know, they're a decent team, Scotland.
7: Yeah, they are. And I don't think they can be underestimated. Obviously, they've got quite a few players that play week in, week out against, in the WSL against the Lionesses. So, you know, you've got obviously the standout would be Cuthbert, who that superb goal last week. They've also got Martha Thomas up top, who's been prolific for, for Tottenham. So she's obviously another threat. Evans, Corsi. So they do have threats. It's not just a, just a Cuthbert show. So I don't think they can be underestimated Um but I think given the the second half that the Lionesses produced last, last week, I think they'll be fired up now to make sure that they, they get the job done over the 90 minutes and,
5: and we'll be praying that uh, <laughs> they get the result they need elsewhere. Yeah, it's starting to get complicated, isn't it? And this is what the problem is when England don't have it in their hands is you're looking at the goal difference table and what we really need is a draw between Netherlands and Belgium which makes everything much easier and uh, means that everybody in the press box doesn't have to keep counting and working everything out because the goal swing is important additionally if Belgium were to beat the Netherlands. uh, The Netherlands, of course, know that if they win goal difference if it's favourable to them um, will mean that they could potentially uh, be going through but it's going to be so tight and you know exciting for a neutral's point of view on Tuesday night but stressful for all of us but uh, also for the players you would think. Uh, Joe Shannon also sat down and spoke with midfielder Kira Walsh.
4: Kira thanks for talking to us. Um, What's the mood like in the camp then particularly after the amazing comeback on Friday night?
9: Um, Yeah, really positive. I think we're all in good spirits. We're feeling confident about the game tomorrow. And obviously there's things that we needed to improve on, especially in the first half. You know, I think we had a lot of the ball in the first 10, 15 minutes. And um, yeah, I think once they scored, the momentum shifted. So I think just focusing on that and being on the front foot in the next game. But yeah, everyone's feeling really positive.
4: You showed amazing character, resilience, mental abilities come back into the game. Can you use that now going into tomorrow?
9: Yeah, definitely. I think it's a derby game, isn't it? So I think you need plenty of that when you're playing against a team like Scotland. You know, they've got some great players, so I think we can draw on that. But yeah, I think that's just what this team is about. You know, I think um, a lot of yeah, courage to come back out and, and try and win. And I think it puts a lot of emphasis on how good our attacking players have been and creating those opportunities and taking them. So yeah, for me, I think playing behind them, it's going to be a, hopefully an exciting game tomorrow.
4: And does your role change a little bit because you may need to score plenty of goals? Does that mean that that you bomb on forward as well or, or, or are things as they would normally be?
9: Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really known for scoring goals, to be fair. But um, I think, yeah, as I said uh, in the press conference, I think my role is just to get the attacking players the ball and, and feed them in good opportunities and spaces. So... Yeah, hopefully that won't change too much. Yeah, maybe maybe depending on the games going, Serena might let me go into the box. I'm I'm not too sure about it, but yeah, I mean hopefully um, hopefully we can score before that. And yeah, I just I just think it's going
5: to be an exciting game for the fans as well. I mean, Jenna, the, the Olympics are held in really high regards in in women's football, and of course these players will be devastated if they don't make it. But there is a bit of an upside, which we've spoken about before with the hectic schedule that the players have faced over the past few years, and, and perhaps some suggestions, although I'm not sure whether the players would necessarily agree with that, a summer off might not be the worst thing. No,
7: I agree with that, but I think given the reaction that you saw on the pitch at the f- full-time Um, And you saw how devastated the players were. I think, you know, they want to be out there. It's a chance for them to, to, to win a medal, but yeah, I think if you've looked at the schedule, since we've come out of COVID, it has literally been relentless. They had the Olympics, Euros, World Cup, back to the Olympics again. And, the players, like the amount of injuries that we're seeing as well. So I don't think it would be the worst thing if they were to have the summer off, but then what an opportunity missed to to pick up another, um, another medal and to continue that momentum that we've seen from the Lionesses over the last couple of seasons now. But I think I agree with you. I think given the hectic schedule and the amount of injuries that we've been seeing lately, I don't think it will be the worst thing in the world, but try telling the players that.
5: And the action hasn't been limited to just Group A1 in the Nations League. We took a look at the rest of the groups to find out who's been promoted.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
1: Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
5: Firstly, let's have a look at who's confirmed into the competition's finals in February and who has been relegated into League B. So, confirmed so far... Through to the finals as League A group winners are France and Spain. Group A3, though, is just as tight as England's group after Denmark beat Germany 2-0 on Friday. That means they're locked on 12 points each. Germany have the superior goal difference, though, and they face Wales at the Swansea Stadium on Tuesday night, while Denmark are at home to Iceland. Who's going through on that one for you, Jenna?
7: Yeah, I I can't see um, Denmark scoring the five goals that they'd need. So I'm going to have to go with the uh, Germany there.
5: Yeah, that God, that could be quite an incredible uh, final four, couldn't it? France, Spain, Germany and England slash the Netherlands. Yeah, uh, quite quite a daunting prospect, but very exciting. Um, three teams already relegated from League A, by the way, Scotland, as we know, Switzerland and Wales. But three teams promoted from League B. Um, Republic of Ireland, Finland and Poland. And then there are League A and B playoffs. Iceland and Serbia are involved in that. Uh, But there are teams relegated from League B as well. Albania, Belarus and Romania. And they are going to be replaced in League B from the three teams promoted from League C, if you're still with me, Azerbaijan, Kosovo and uh, Turkey. Uh, Let's focus on the Republic of Ireland, though. Group winner in B1. How impressed have you been with them over the past year?
7: Yeah I think they've been great and I think they're probably everyone's second team in England I reckon I think they've just the journey that they've been on throughout the World Cup I think just incredible and they look like now they're they're finally getting that support that they need Captain Kate McCabe is just like superwoman for them at the minute and just a really a good squad that they've got coming through and I think yeah they've done fantastically well now and I think with more backing from their federation I think they're only going to get bigger and better and I know they've got huge support now from the whole country behind them um yeah who are following them so yeah been really really impressed with them
5: yeah it's been a disappointing nations league for wales though they've lost all five of their games in group A3 but we need to kind of add some context I think it's important because they they're ranked 29th in the world and they were up against teams in their group ranked in the top 15, 6th, 12th and and 14th. So it was never going to be an easy ride for them.
7: No, I mean, that's a really difficult group and uh, it, it was going to probably need a miracle for them to, to get anywhere near getting out of that group. So I think when you do put it into context, it, it's been a tough group for them. They've, I mean, coming up against Germany, the likes of Denmark and Iceland, it's uh, it was a big task at hand for them. But, you know, they have to keep trying to build each with each season with each competition that they do get in and I know that they do have the back in there but they've just yeah I mean it was an unfortunate group to be drawn
5: yeah it was um I mean shock result that we saw on Friday night Italy beating Spain by three goals to two I mean Spain still qualify for the finals it's the first time though that they've lost since they were crowned champions at the World Cup that was pretty impressive stuff from Italy
7: yeah I think it was quite a shock result there but I been impressed with Italy. I think over the Euros, I was quite impressed with them as well. But yeah, I don't think Spain would have expected that. But as you say, you know, they still finish, finish top. I um, think they're going to be the team to watch out now. I think going forwards into the Olympics, I think they've got some of their key players back who who missed out at the World Cup. So I think they're just going to get stronger and stronger, Spain.
5: Yeah, so do you reckon if, if, if for example, if, if it was a... France-Spain final for example could yeah. could either of them win the whole thing obviously if France win the whole thing um, or even if just they get to the final whoever finishes third yeah. um, will go through to the Olympics because France are the hosts for the Paris Olympics obviously but who do you think is going to win the whole thing? For me I think given the summer that they've had
7: I, I'm going to put my money on if I was a betting girl I would go with Spain just because they've had that experience now at the world cup they've what they've gone through and come out the other side and as i said they're going to have uh, some of their key players back who unfortunately missed out at the at the world cup so for me i think i can't see anyone really stopping them at the minute
5: it's been a busy week on and off the pitch in the world of women's football jenna and i had a look back on some of the biggest stories that have made the headlines in the world of women's football this week A couple of big bits of news in the past few days. The UK government says it will back all recommendations in the Women's Football Review that was led, you'll remember, by former England midfielder Karen Carney. It was published back in July and it called, amongst other things, for the top two women's tiers in England to become fully professional. It also wanted a new regular broadcast slot to be made available as well. Culture Secretary Lucy Fraser has urged the Football Association and other stakeholders to set a new standard for women's Sport. Here's what she had to say on Talk TV earlier today.
2: The Lionesses uh, are amazing and uh, left a massive legacy after the Euros, winning the Euros last year and getting to the semi-final of the World Cup in Australia this year. And I was really pleased to go out to Australia and, and see them in that final. Uh, they are at the top of their game, but we need to support them as a government. The FA needs to support them if they continue to be, to ensure that they continue to be professional and world-leading. So after the Euros, we asked. Karen Carney, uh, who was a lioness, to do a review about how do we achieve that, how do we ensure that the women's game remains professional, how do we support it. She she published that review and we're responding to it today. The government is accepting all of the 10 recommendations. Not only that, we have started putting in place some of her recommendations already Uh, that would be along the lines of, you know, equal access, to sport for girls in school building pitches across the country we've already built 2200 pitches across the country and last week i announced i went to the one of the lioness's training sessions last week and announced 30 million pounds uh, for specific pitches where women will have priority access because we want to make sure that the women's team which are on the cusp of something very exciting we want to ensure that we continue that so they can become um, even better than they are today
5: So she thinks it's a defining moment for women's football. And just a few days ago, Women's Super League and Women's Championship clubs agreed to form a club-owned organisation to run Women's Professional League Football in England from the 2024-2025 season, taking over uh, from the Football Association. It's called NUCO, and each club is going to be a stakeholder in it. Former Nike director, Nikki Doucette, is going to be head of the organisation, and it's hoped that it will be able to capitalise on the growth of the women's game and work to accelerate that growth in the future. Two really big stories uh, to to delve into, Jenna. Uh, What do you make of this new era for women's football?
7: Yeah, I think it's really, really exciting. Obviously, I've um, seen um, communications been going around from from working at Tottenham over the last couple of months. And I think, you know, NUCO coming in, I think it's just so exciting. I think that's what we wanted. We need our championship to be strengthened as well and, and the investment there to obviously make that the WSL was as strong as it possibly can be. And I think, you know, that the women's game is in the strongest place it's ever been. And now bringing in this company that will help ex- accelerate the uh, development of the league on and off the pitch, I think it's fantastic. And I think it's, it's a huge, huge step in the right direction.
5: Yeah. We, we obviously don't know the particulars of exactly how it's it's going to work, but it feels like the right time, doesn't it?
7: Yeah. And I think th- as I said, the league's getting so big, Uh, the interest is getting so big, you wouldn't want to start missing out on off-field activities. So I think, you know, the the new CEO of the company sounds, you know, she's got a lot of experience across business management, commercial, marketing, product management, track record, strategically leading and developing teams at the highest level. So I think she's the perfect fit for this. Um, and i think it's so important that both off the field and on the field are developing at the same rate which is if we carried on the way we were going and i think we we may risk um you know not keeping up maybe with the off the field commercial so yeah i think it's so 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 exciting
5: is that is that what kind of changes you're expecting to to be made what what can you see happening from from next year i think the investment
7: off the pitch i think you know, we've already seen huge investments from, from different areas um, in the WSL, but I think it's just so important that the championship as well is keeping up. I think eventually maybe the WSL, as a result of this, will get bigger because we'll have stronger teams to, to join into the WSL and that will just filter through da- down from the championship. I think, you know, obviously there's... Well, we spoke about it with the FA Cup money as well, what happens to those teams outside the championship, but I think building a strong full-time championship below the WSL is, is the step forward.
5: Yeah. It's going to be really important, isn't it? In terms of how that's going to respond with some of the recommendations that Karen Carney's women's football review made, I'm kind of trying to pick out the, the, the key league ones, first of all, before I go into like more grassroots stuff. Um, Uh, calling for world-leading standards for players, fans, staff and everyone in the women's game. Professionalisation across the top two tiers to attract and develop the best players in the world. Um, The lack of diversity being addressed across the women's game in on-pitch and off-pitch roles. Um, Working with broadcasters to create a new dedicated time slot, as I mentioned. Adopting more measures to support fans um, as well, you know, that th- there's some things that, that NUCO can get their hands on straight away, pretty much Yeah, and I think the
7: standards across players and staff, I mean, it's been obviously with the World Cup, there's been so much highlighted with, you know, the standards not being good enough for professional footballers, and I think this is I think that will be probably one at the top because still, yes, we've come a long long way, but still standards aren't good enough across, especially I think in the Championship, Um if you're looking at them, they're still most players, well, I'd say half the league are probably still semi-professional. So they're working five days a week and then having to train four days a week, travel all weekend. So I think it's just getting them, those standards up and all in line and looking after players uh, on and off the pitch, um, as well as staff. I think investing in the staff's really important as well because, you know, the players are getting a lot more... Uh, professionalism around the whole, you know, strength and conditioning, technical, tactical. And it's so important that the staff are invested in as well, I think, to to be able to keep up and to keep developing the game. But yeah, I think this is a huge step. And we already have some of the best players of the world playing in our leagues. And this is just going to entice more players, I think, to come and join in, even at championship level.
5: Yeah, we've heard um, Lucy Fraser saying that, you know, they need to, narrow the massive disparity in pay between the men's and women's games and obviously making the women's game more commercial attracts more broadcast income and, and, you know, enables... Uh, female athletes to get paid more and then across the game as well but it's really important to look at the the kind of grassroots aspects of and I know I I feel like I'm I'm kind of merging uh, the NUCO news and the um, the government's women's football review endorsement news but they, they 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 do merge they do match they 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 intertwine if you like I think is the word that I'm looking for and in terms of the the grassroots uh, recommendations that Karen Carney's review called for, the restoration of the talent pathway to create future generations of lionesses, um, provision of equal access to school sports for girls as well, and more investment in grassroots facilities and better access for females as a whole. And the government have to, you know, hold the football industry to account for that.
7: Yeah, 100%. I think think a prime example of that was the news reported last week that um, the money that's going to be invested and grassroots in in football pitches in 3G pitches and the the, the peak time slots will be reserved for women and girls to train. Whereas, you know, I was thinking when I was playing for Tottenham when we were just playing for fun, we couldn't get onto a 3G pitch until nine o'clock at night. Um, so you know the men, the boys would get the earliest slots, and then the women and girls would be coming out at half nine at night to to get a training session in. So I think that's so so important. Obviously, the access to to football at, for young girls in school, giving everyone an opportunity to to try football, to to you know fall in love with the game at a young at a young age. I think. You know, in the past, girls have have really picked up football later on in life. So giving them the access to the game earlier on, again, will increase the development and the quality of players that we can produce. So, yeah, I think grassroots is so important that we don't forget about them and obviously opening it up to different areas so that every single young girl, there's no boundaries in place to stop her from playing. She can turn up and she can play.
5: Yeah, it certainly is going to be a a new era, isn't it, for for women's football. A couple more stories to take you through from the week. A FIFA Pro survey has found that a large number of players at the World Cup this year were not sufficiently rested before the competition. FIFA Pro surveyed players from 26 of the 32 competing countries at the World Cup, and two thirds of players said they felt they weren't at their physical best at the start of the tournament. Uh, the survey also found not all players had received the required medical examinations before it, and some hadn't yet received individual bonus payments from the World Cup, which we knew already um look it's a busy schedule the women's football calendar nowadays particularly since the concertina effect that we've had from from covid and it's something we've discussed before but the fact that the figures in this survey are so high it's obviously going to be a catalyst for a review surely of these kind of schedules yeah and i think some of the
7: players have been talking about this for for, for a long time you know that they, they were tired after the end of the season and then they had A couple of weeks off, and then they were flying out. So that needs to be addressed. But I don't know how you address it because there's, you know, there's you got your Nations League now. There just always seems to be something for international players. Um, And the turnaround at the end of the season to go into these big competitions isn't isn't that that big. Um, And as for players not getting the proper medical attention or being assessed, I think that's that's poor, really poor, especially where we are now and how fast this game has gone. But that's just a key example of we 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 always say, yes, it we've taken a massive step forward and everything looks rosy. But actually when you peel off the surface, there's still so, so many things that still need to improve.
5: Yep, there definitely, definitely are. And the Champions League know that they need to improve as well. It's going to expand to 18 teams. From the 25 to 2026 season, the change is approved by UEFA's executive committee in Hamburg. Instead of 16 teams split into four groups, all 18 teams will now play three home and three away teams before the knockout stages uh, begin. UEFA has also given the go ahead for a second European club competition as well, which we'd caught, we have talked about before this kind of came to the fore a little bit more from a uk perspective when arsenal were knocked out of the champions league so early on uh this season and there was talk the tournament maybe needed to be expanded is this uh change in the right direction for you yeah i i think it's a good um a good change i think
7: you want your your teams like arsenal and you know man united staying in the champions league a lot longer than one one match and i think this allows that to happen um where they're going to get the time to play these matches. <laughs> I don't know. Well, but... <laughs> we've just
5: been talking about schedules and there we go. Then they're just going to, I should have, that's that's what I should have said leading into it, really. It's, it's kind of crazy. Top players, though, you know, have to play in all the top competitions.
7: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, for me, I think it's a good a good thing for the women's game and especially for us in, in England. And we've got the, the best, some of the really talented teams that can't get past the first round it gives them an opportunity to, you know, find their feet in the competition and, and stay in it and a, a better chance of getting further.
5: Yeah. Okay. Right. Before we go prediction for Tuesday night's game. Um, England win. I don't
7: know if we're going to be able to get the goals though. Mm. I'm, I'm always positive, but it's just, it's, it's totally out of their hands, isn't it? I think they've just got to go and be clinical for
5: 90 minutes That's all for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next Monday when we'll reflect on the Lionesses' performance against Scotland, as well as breaking down what could be a title-defining match in the WSL as Arsenal host Chelsea.